This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Keith Weber talks about unafraid saints. How were St. Francis, St. Peter, and St. Paul unafraid despite obstacles in their lives? What other saints give us an example of being unafraid? Well, let's find out. Father Keith is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Cody Marincer. Father Keith, he's going to talk to us about unafraid saints. But first, I wanted to introduce uh, Father Keith as uh, he's the pastor of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Salina. He recently served as the chief finance officer and chancellor of the Diocese of Salina. And Father Keith, it says that you've been a priest for 38 wonderful years. Is that correct? That is very true, yes. That is absolutely They have been wonderful years. (laughs) I imagine it's much like marriage, where there are days that are better than others, and I know this because my wife has to put up with me. (laughs) (laughs) So so I imagine the the priesthood is the same way, is that um, sometimes you have to choose to love. (laughs) That's true for all of us. That is very true. (laughs) <laughs> All right. And as much as your wife has to put up with you, I'm sure the bishop may feel the same way about putting up with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Well, then we are both saint makers. <laughs> there we go. Well, Father, it is great to have you on today. I'm going to let you just kind of uh, take off and go wherever you want to go, um, and then uh, hopefully we can have a good conversation throughout this hour and uh, let listeners uh, be able to understand then uh, these saints that can give us the idea of how to go forward in the culture we live in and be those unafraid people. Sure. You know, as when Janetta asked me to speak about two or three saints, I was thinking, you know, we could actually pick any saint in the church and, and talk about how they were unafraid. It takes so much courage to be a person of faith from the time of the apostles up to today. And when you look at any saint in the church, we could, we could have this theme of be not afraid. But the, the, the three saints that I chose to focus on uh, would be St. Peter, St. Paul, and then my, one of my favorite saints as well, and that is St. Francis of Assisi. I mean, I love all three of those, those, those three saints, but, uh, but, uh, and we have many other saints I know are great favorites too. But, uh, but I picked those three uh, for today. Um, first of all, you know, with St. Peter, when we think about not being afraid, it's amazing when we think about, first of all, when he was an apostle and Jesus was on this earth and, and, and he was following Jesus around. When we look at him, first of all, you know, he was able to, to leave his business, and, which was believed was a pretty thriving business of being a fisherman. And his wife had to be very understanding, and we know he's a married man. We don't know if he had kids or not, but we certainly know he was married because Jesus cured his mother-in-law. So, you know, to be able to work with his wife and help explain to her why he needed to do this and follow Christ like this. And then, as, a, as an apostle, he kept making mistakes. Uh, and we know in the Bible he would so oftentimes, you know, say something and then Jesus would have to reprimand him. And yet, he was never afraid to keep trying. 
you know, even though he made mistakes, he never said, oh, I guess I made too many mistakes, I can't be a follower of Christ anymore. He hung right in there. He wasn't afraid to, to make mistakes and, and continue to try to do the right thing and continue to try to understand what Jesus was saying and continue to try to do what God wanted him to do. So, so I think that's one of the things that we learn from St. Peter is, even if we're not perfect and even if we do make mistakes, we can't quit trying to, to do the right things in life. And, of course, then the big thing that you know, he made the mistake on, and that was denying Christ when Jesus was on trial. And, and even though he denied Christ three times, still went on to be our first pope. And, and you know, that took a lot of courage. Because you know, I think for most of us, we would be thinking, wow, you know, I made that huge mistake, and everybody knows I made that huge mistake. How can I go out now and try to tell other people how they should, should follow Christ and how important it is to follow Christ when I myself denied him three times? So there's a lot of courage it took, I think, to step up and be the leader of the church. And I think it's just amazing on the courage that that took. And then, you know, the fact that he did become our first pope. That, again, took a lot of courage. Now, of all the popes of our church history, you know, they're always elected by some, you know, by a group of people. And today's, you know, our popes today, of course, are elected by the College of Cardinals. And in the early church, it was by other people in Rome. But they were always elected. St. Peter was the only pope in our church history that wasn't elected, but appointed by Christ himself. That had to give him some courage to say, okay, well, yeah, I'm supposed to do this. <laughs> but, you know, when you think of what it meant to be the first pope, even though he was appointed by Christ himself, there's no tradition. I mean, our, you know, Pope Francis looks at 2,000 years of, of, of history, of all these very intelligent and wise and holy people who, who have talked about this and explained parts of our faith and things we've learned from the mistakes we've made in the past and the, and the successes we've had in our past. There's so much knowledge of, a, of history that we have available to the Pope today when he's trying to make decisions and trying to, to find the right answers to problems. St. Peter had none of that. You know, he, he had to, you know, really say, okay, this is the message of Christ. I remember Jesus said this. How does that apply to this situation? How does this help us solve that problem? And I, and I can't imagine how difficult that was to be the first pope when there was no tradition uh, of the church to help make those decisions. So I think it, was, it took a lot of courage for, for St. Peter to be the first pope and, and do such an amazing job that he did. Makes my problem seem a whole lot less. Because <laughs> now, now you're making me think, well, wait a minute. Here's a guy who was in charge of the, uh, so he's the spiritual head of um, all the faithful Christians at that time. Um, and so that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> like, okay, I really have to trust the Holy Spirit on this one. <laughs> right. Wow, yeah, that that, look, that gives a different take to, you know, um, sometimes, uh, obviously we know there's a difference between don't be afraid to make mistakes and don't be afraid to sin, but I think our society has blurred that because our society has no problem 
just sinning and not being afraid and just going, yeah, whatever, you know, and pretending that their sins aren't evil. Then um, maybe not trying out for the basketball team um, or not trying out for the school play or something like that. So it's an odd conundrum that I think we find ourselves in is that we're afraid to make mistakes in things that in the grand scheme of uh, things that aren't really going to matter so much, but then we're plenty fine to just fall into sin and pretend like it, uh, it doesn't matter. If you would continue on, Father, because you got great words of wisdom for us. That's, that's very nice of you. But um, now, St. Peter, I think, is such a, like I said, such a, a prime example of somebody who wasn't afraid to be a leader. Uh, even though he knew he wasn't perfect, even though he, like you said, he, it, and it wasn't like he wanted to make mistakes or didn't see his mistakes as significant. He did, as, as you said. You know, when he, when he denied Christ, he had to know how bad that was. I mean, he had to regret that, but he never let that stop him from being the person God wanted him to be. And, and that that takes courage. Um, you know, I talk to parents sometimes, and they'll say, you know, how can I tell my kid to not do this when I know I did that when I was younger? And you say, no, because you did that when you were younger, and hopefully you learned from your mistakes, <laughs> you can tell your kids. That's right. <laughs> And so I, I think St. Peter is such a great example of that courage to say, yes, I've made a mistake, but I've learned from it, I'm better because of it, and I can, I can go out and do great things for God. Yeah, I think the greatest testament to a parent is when their child becomes better than them. And uh, I think that's something that I try to pass on to my kids is, <laughs> look, be better than me. If you see me making a mistake, don't do the same thing, please. <laughs> and there's <No>. St. Peter. <laughs> there's St. Peter, yes. Not that I'm equating myself to St. Peter. Please <laughs> don't think that. <laughs> well, we, 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 we learn from the example of all the saints, including St. Right. Peter. So, yeah, we're not trying to make ourselves better than any particular saint, but we can certainly learn from, from all their examples. Very yeah. true, very true. Well, so let's go ahead and move into St. Paul. Uh, I'm not sure how much time we really have, so let's go ahead and, and move on. And okay. I mean, there's always so much more when you talk about any saint. But, sure. <laughs> uh, but St. Paul is, uh, you know, he's known as the apostle to the Gentiles. And, um, and of course, the Gentiles means is anybody in the world at that time who was not a Jew is a Gentile. So he became the apostle to the non-Jews. And again, talk about courage and be not afraid for this man. As we know, when St. Paul was before his conversion, he was a, a part of the Roman army, and he, his goal was to annihilate the, fo- the followers of Christ. And, and so he was out there, he had orders from, from Rome to be able to do this, so he knew what, how, to, how to go out and trick people, he was underhanded, he was, he was devious, uh, he was actually really cruel. And he had that conversion experience and once again changed his life even though he knew he had done wrong he changed his life and started living the life that God wanted him to live and and as as saint paul you know we know that initially he went back to being a tent maker and he he was okay with making tents doing his, his normal job and Telling people about Christ, of course, uh, as he as he had that conversion experience, but then Barnabas comes and convinces Saint Paul to go out and start preaching, traveling around preaching. 
so the courage that St. Paul had, first of all, to leave his job and say, okay, I have a talent for preaching that God gave me. I, I can do this. And with St. Barnabas' encouragement, St. Paul goes forth and starts basically a whole new career. And he does this without any real backing. I mean, he, he doesn't have a whole lot of money in a savings account that he can rely on. He doesn't you know, have a lot of people in different towns that he knows that he can stay with and depend on to take care of him. He really travels to all these different places and, and, and goes into a town not knowing anybody, but yet is not afraid to go and try try to help people come closer to Christ. And, and even, you know, the city of Corinth, as an example, you know, he even says in the Bible, you know, I entered Corinth with fear and trepidation because he knew that the city of Corinth was a very immoral town. It was a huge town. It's almost as big as Athens. It was a huge town, and it was an extremely immoral town. And St. Paul had to go in there and try to get people to understand Jesus and believe in Jesus and believe that they needed to radically change their lives. And he did that. He had that courage. He, even though he had that fear and trepidation that he talks about, it, he still wasn't the afraid to the level of that I'm not even going to try. I mean, he could have you know, gone around Corinth and gone to the next town. But he didn't. He had the courage to step into Corinth and try to make a difference with those people's lives. Even though he didn't know them, he cared enough about them to try to make a difference in their lives. And as we know in the Bible, those people in Corinth became some of his closest friends. So what, what a great example of us that we need to reach out and help people, even though we may not know who they are or may not know them well, you know, to have that courage to not be afraid to say, okay, I can help them. I have a talent, I have a gift, I have ability to go out and help these people. I can do this. I, 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 I shouldn't be afraid. And, and St. Paul, I think, is one of those great examples of that in his life, of somebody who, who really cared so much for others that he wasn't afraid to help them. And then the other part of St. Paul, just to talk about him just for a moment longer, you know, he is the one who really was the forefront of reaching, having our church reach out to the Gentiles. The other apostles the, uh, of Jesus and those who they were working with in, in spreading the message of Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, their intent really was to get Jews to come to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They did not intend for a whole new church that would include the Gentiles. They really wanted to reform Judaism. St. Paul was the one who took the forefront to say, no, we need to have a bigger picture than that. You know, when he went out to preach in these different towns, he recognized, he looked around him, and he saw that, yes, some Jews are coming to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but these non-Jews are also believing this, and we can't deny them a, a good relationship with Jesus. It's, it's, having that relationship with Christ brings such reward into our lives 
how can we deny that to the non-Jews? And so he kept pushing that we needed to include them in, in our faith. And, you know, today, obviously, we are the beneficiaries of that, that courage that St. Paul had to expand who we really preached to and who we included as followers of Christ. So it, it, it took a lot of courage because, as we know in the Acts of the Apostles at the Council of Jerusalem, you know, there were some bigwigs in the church who said, no, we need to stay just with the Jews. And if these Gentiles want to become followers of Jesus, they have to become Jews first. And St. Paul really said no. I mean, he was the one who stood firm and said, no, it's, it's not about reforming Judaism as much as it's about getting people to believe in Jesus. And he had that courage to stand up. And of course, as we know in the Acts of the Apostles, St. Peter you know, stood up and said, you know, St. Paul is right. And, uh, and that's why our church moved forward in that direction. And, of course, there is a, a, one example where he actually challenges Peter in public over how he treated uh, Gentiles uh, in yeah. the temple. So, yeah, he was willing to stand up for what he knew was right. And, and as you said, he did it in a, in a brotherly, fraternal, correction way. You know, and because of that, he had such influence in the early church. Yeah, and, and I agree. And that was, a, that was one of the things I was thinking about mentioning about St. Paul, and I have my notes here, and is, is the fact that you know, he did suffer greatly. I mean, he was. He was, he was beat with the canes. He was stoned. You know, where they, they, they stoned him so bad, they thought he was actually dead. And, um, and his, his, his disciples revived him, but the people who were throwing stones at him thought he was, they, he, they really thought he was dead. And like I say, he was shipwrecked. There were times when he didn't have any food. I mean, his, his, his missionary trips were not easy. And he, it wasn't like he walked into town and people said, oh, it's great you're here. Uh, you know, he, he really had to go the extra mile to, to show his, his love of Christ and to get people to be believe this. And sometimes he suffered physically, uh, but yet he never gave up. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. You'll want to be back for the second half where Father Keith Weber talks about St. Francis and a couple of other saints who were unafraid. We're back on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture on Divine Mercy Radio. Father Keith Weber. Unafraid Saints. Cody Marincer conducts the interview. Father Keith, what do you have to say about St. Francis of Assisi being one of our unafraid saints? Okay. Now, as much as I love St. Peter and St. Paul and many other saints, I would say that St. Francis has always held a very special place in my heart. He was certainly, again, I think somebody who, who was not afraid to be the holy saint that he became. When he was younger, as we know, you know he grew up in a pretty wealthy family, and his dad uh, 
named him Francis because he, his dad was a cloth merchant and traveled around the, the European continent, and his dad loved the lifestyle of the wealthy French. And that certainly did not include being active in their faith. And when young Francis, when he was young, he kind of bought into what his dad had been teaching him. But then he started you know, having those conversion experiences when he was captured in the, in the little war between towns and had these conversion experiences. And he started having this idea that you know, God was calling him to something greater. And he, and he was starting to transform his life into being a person of faith. And as he, as he moved into that, his dad was very angry, and his dad hated the fact that Francis was kind of shunning that lifestyle of the rich and famous and started taking more time for prayer and helping the poor and, and doing things for others that were, that were kind and generous and thoughtful and loving and forgiving. You know, it just... Um, his dad did not like that at all, and we know the story, you know, that one time when his dad forbid Francis to go to church to pray, and Francis kept sneaking out. You know, his dad even chained him to his bed so he couldn't sneak out and go to church and pray, and yet Francis kept going and kept praying, and then when Jesus from the cross one time asked him to rebuild his church, you know, Francis really gave up everything, all of his all of his dad's wealth, all of his family's reputation. He gave it all up to go and try to rebuild the church. Uh, and initially, of course, he thought it was to rebuild the physical church and then realized it was more to rebuild the church and, and bring the church closer to being a place of holiness and, and, and a place where God could truly touch people's hearts. So, you know, Francis went out and started preaching to rebuild the church and, and make it more a part of people's lives. And, and, he, and he did this, you know, by begging in the streets, you know, and asking people, you know, for food and, and enough materials to, to go in to, to physically rebuild church buildings. But he, was, he became a beggar, and, and people, you know, would throw things at him. They would make fun of him. They, and, and, and his family even had rejected him. And so... He went through all that just so he could go out and try to rebuild the church. And as he did that, so many uh, other young men came and and started spending time with him and and learning from him and and following and and how he was living a life of poverty. And as we know, you know, St. Clair of Assisi, you know, she also was a, she came and listened to him preach and was so moved by his words she too wanted to live a life of poverty, and she gave up her family wealth. And she started, you know, uh, St. Francis helped her start an order uh, of, of women that, that, uh, that basically lived their lives of prayer and poverty and fasting and, and, and love of other people. And, you know, St. Francis, you know, went around and he preached to all these people and he was so kind and so gentle. Even when it was cold and snowy outside and he was walking in mud up to his knees, when he would arrive someplace, he was always filled with joy and always filled with that love of God and always wanting to share that joy with others. And as such a, 
I think, a great example of, of somebody who wasn't afraid to, to live a life of poverty and, and, and do it because he cared. There, there is a story about him when he talks about what true joy is. Do you know that story? Um, well, he talks about it at different times. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, see if I get this right. If not, you, like I said, you can correct me. But um, I, I remember hearing a story um, about him walking with a companion, and I think they were traveling to maybe a brother house or something, um, and, and it was cold out, and, and, and he yes. walking with this companion. Okay, so you know this story. Yeah, you can probably yeah, tell no, it. I know which one you're referring to, yes. Okay, why yeah. don't you tell it so I don't just completely... No, no, I'm sure you'll bone. do it right. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to probably completely mess it up. So no, if you no, know no, it. No. But no, they, they were walking and it was cold and, and it was snowy, but there was mud and they were walking in there and, and they were covered with mud. They were cold. They were hungry. And they stopped in at another friary and, and rang the doorbell. And the, and the friar who came to the door, one of Francis's, you know, friaries, you know, and, and the, the friar who came to the door did not recognize him and told, they thought, he just thought they were just, street beggars and and told him to go away and and the and the brother who was with francis after the door was slammed in their faces the brother with francis said aren't you going to you know reprimand them aren't you going to chew them out and he says the great joy is being you know being willing to suffer uh for christ and and to still be christ to them even when they cause our suffering and that is the true joy so yeah. yeah, that that's a wonderful story, and and it, it always reminds me. No kidding. Think about the the small things we have to suffer in this world, and we just go, oh, but why? Yeah. <laughs> and here's Francis going, no, that's a blessed thing. Yeah. <laughs> what what are you talking about? It's blessed to be cold and muddy and tired and be thrown out by one of you, somebody who's supposed to be your brother. <laughs> yeah. So I I just wanted to pass that on because it's a great story, great reminder for me, um, but also I. I don't know if you were going to cover this about St. Francis or not, um, but uh, St. Francis, uh, many people uh, know, um, had the stigmata. Yeah. Uh, is that something that you would like to go into about him? Well, yeah, you know, and later in his life, you know, he, as we know, Francis, you know, grew in holiness by leaps and bounds in his short life here on earth. And the latter part of his life, though, he... He, uh, well, there's two things that kind of tie together, I suppose. And that one is that his all of his fasting and, and acts of penance that he did when he was really young, his body, you know, showed the results of that when he got a little older. And he was, he was always racked with pain, and his eyesight became poor, and, and he, he just was so crippled up um, and, he, and, he, and as we know, he always apologized to his brother, his, his body, excuse me, to his body for treating it so poorly when he was younger. Uh, but then, you know, even though his body was so crippled and, and caused him pain, God gave him the blessing of having the stigmata. And that in his body, he showed how much he was like Christ. And at the, the, toward the end of his life, uh, he, you know, his his he got the stigmata in his hands and his side, and he, um, and it, it 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 was it was as we know it was because he was so Christ-like, 
in his words and his actions and how he treated other people that his body even showed how Christ-like he was in, in all of his suffering. So, yeah, the, he is one of the stigmata saints. Certainly um, shows just the, the level of holiness that he had, and the level of relationship he had with Christ. And another thing that another thing about Saint Francis about the stigmata, and something I, I read in a book about. I read several books about Saint Francis, but one of the books talked about his daily prayer. And one of his daily prayers that he prayed was he had a crucifix, and every day he would meditate on the face of Christ. And 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 he could see. He called it a mirror. He could look at the face of Christ to see himself in Christ. And, you know, one year during Lent, I did this, I know, and I know I've encouraged others to do the same. You know, my Lenten activity was to take a crucifix and every day spend several minutes meditating, uh, gazing upon the crucifix and meditating on, on the suffering of Christ and how that, what we need to do to tie our suffering into his. So it's, it's a great way to pray, and certainly, you know, it was part of what led to his stigmata. When you said in his body he showed how much he was like Christ, we don't have to have the stigmata to do that. That's very true. That's a very <laughs> good point. Very, very true. I would agree. And that's, I think that's where the meditation upon the crucifix really helps bring that home. It really makes that very real in our daily lives. I was uh, thinking, you know, just kind of a um, another person that um, he was a follower of Francis who also had the stigmata is uh, St. Padre Pio. Correct. And uh, tell me if you know this story, too. I, I'm just going to keep asking you things and hope that you know them <laughs> <laughs> so, so that you can cover up in any of my idiocracy. No. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I remember watching this movie, and, and that's one of the things about movies is you don't know what they add. Um, but it seems like it at least could be true. In it, um, Padre Pio is he's – be, he's being investigated by the Vatican, and he's being investigated, as probably everybody out there uh, knows, that Padre Pio, um, when he had the stigmata, he covered those wounds so that people couldn't see it and hopefully wouldn't make a show of it. Um, but the Vatican came to, you know, basically check to see if he was a fake. And he answered in a way that blew me away. He answered with good. He said, if you truly are from Christ's church, then you should be trying to prove me wrong. You know, and, and I'm going to get it wrong, but basically he was saying something like, you know, um, I'm, I'm worse than the devil of hell if I'm lying about this. Um, and so that was, it was just an amazing example as we're talking about saints um, who are not afraid rather than lashing out in pridefulness and anger. He, he was saying, good, that's what the church should be doing. And if I'm a liar, then you need to prove me wrong. <laughs> wow. As the Bible says, we need to test all spirits. Yes, yes. correct. Wow. Uh, Father Keith, we do have um, another 10 minutes or so here. Um, if there are any other saints uh, you would like to talk about, or I could throw out a couple um, that uh, maybe we could have a conversation. Let's go ahead and have you throw them out. That's, that's great. That'd okay. That would be fun. One of my favorites, probably because my middle name is Joseph. <laughs> Oh, sure. Drum roll, guess who? <laughs> um, and plus, also, we, we've just gone through 
the year of St. Joseph here in the church. The Consecration to St. Joseph was a book that came out just a couple of years ago. and By Donald Calloway. Yes, there you go, (laughs) Father Donald Calloway. Um, He also, Father Donald has a great conversion story, by the way. But I I wanted to bring it up because St. Joseph, sometimes along with St. Francis, we see them kind of as like just these quiet, shy like, well, I guess I'll do what I'm supposed to do. But these had to be some of the most courageous men in the entire world. Um, so is there anything that you would like to bring up about St. Joseph? Sure. I mean, gosh, yeah, talk about a courageous saint, I would agree. Uh, I, actually, I, I just came from a, a Bible study where we're studying Mary. And, you know, of course, part of the study of Mary in the Bible is related to the study of St. Joseph. And, you know, the fact that, you know, one, he was willing to listen to God, speak to him in a dream, and change his plans to divorce Mary and and take her into his home as his wife. You know, that took some courage, because Mary was already pregnant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that had to be known by at least some people, if not by many people, and that he took her into his home, though, and made her his wife is such a, an act of courage. And truly, I mean, why would he do that except, one, he loved God, and two, he loved Mary. And yeah. so it's such a, a tremendous thing there. And then, you know, then again, in the dream, when he got up in the middle of the night and took Mary and the baby Jesus to Egypt to flee from Herod, again, what a, what a tremendous act of bravery and courage. To, to leave your home, to leave your business, to, to do this for the sake of your wife and child. Yeah, that, that, that says so much about St. Joseph. Have you had the chance to um, go over to the Holy Land at all or anything? I have, yes. Okay, so you can actually see kind of um, what it would have been like. But for them to travel um, from where they were to Egypt, this yeah. is not a hop, skip, and a jump. Um, what could you tell us about, like, what would that have been like? Oh, well, there, there's many things about that. One, it would take several days to get over there. Mm-hmm. But it was also days of, of rough terrain. So it wasn't an easy travel. It wasn't like, you know, walking down Interstate 70 and nice paved road or anything. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, was, it was up and down and rocky and, and all that. So it was, it was rough terrain. And then it was also unsafe. I mean, there was robbers and thieves and marauders all, you know, that would, you know, try to take advantage of people traveling alone. And, you know, so there was all that to worry about. You know, there were slave traders out there who would, who would easily take Mary and, and the baby Jesus and turn them into slaves. They, they had all these things that they had to worry about, and, and St. Joseph had to protect them from as they traveled those days to Egypt. So it, it was an, a difficult journey, and it wasn't, like you said, anything that you just kind of say, oh, let's go there, you know, this afternoon. I mean, it was a lot. Last one that I might throw out there to you, um, if, if this one uh, you let me know, if you know something about her, would be um, St. Therese of Lisieux. Oh, the little flower. <laughs> oh, oh thank my you. gosh, yes. <laughs> Another one of the favorites. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> yeah, she, she's, a, she's a gem, as we all know. I mean, here she is. She's a middle-class family. Um, her dad was a watchmaker. 
and you know she wanted you know to become a nun like her two older sisters, and and the Carmelites wouldn't let her in because she was too young and too frail. And talk about courage. As we know, St. Therese was walking down the street with her dad, and the Pope happened to be walking the other direction. And she actually stops the Pope and says, they want, I want to be a nun, and they won't let me. <laughs> and, and, of course, you know, the Pope does take her cause up, and, and uh, the order still says, no, she's still too young, and she's still too frail, so she has to wait a year. So she's patient, and she does wait the year. And then she goes into the order. But the courage to go up to the Pope and say that, that, that took a lot. <laughs> no kidding. Talk about going right to the top. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then, of course, you know, you know she has, a, as we know, she's the origins of the writings of the, the Little Way. And such a beautiful example of, of loving service of others. You know, no matter what you're doing, you do it out of love of God and others. As she says in her in her writings, you know, if if you're if I'm carrying a pot of, of soup into the refectory, it isn't because I was told to carry the pot of soup into the refectory. It's because I love God and I love my sisters and I want them to have something to eat. You know, by mopping the floor, it isn't because I was told to mop the floor. It's because I want to show how beautiful this floor is. That, that God created these stones, and they've been made into this floor, and, and the beauty of this floor, and I want my sisters to be able to see the beauty of a clean floor. I mean, her, everything she did, that little way that she, that she wrote about, everything she did was out of love of God and love of neighbor. And it is there, now there is a prime example of somebody who, who truly understood the idea of be not afraid to do the little things out of love, and it will make a difference. Thank you so much, Father Keith. Now, if you would be willing to um, uh, close us with a prayer and give us your blessing, we would much appreciate that. I would love to do that. And thank you so much for letting me be on your air today. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O Christ Jesus, when all is darkness and we feel our weakness and helplessness, give us a sense of your presence, your love, your strength. Help us to have perfect trust in your protecting love and strengthening power so that nothing may frighten or worry us. For living close to you, we shall see your hand, your purpose, your will through all things. Amen. Amen. And may Almighty God bless all your listeners today in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword, Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 101.7 KJDM, Lindsborg, Salina, 105.7 KMDG, Hayes, 88.1 KRTT, Great Bend, and 88.1 KVDM Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.